The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. saved us from our sins, our lives are now in God. We desire the Holy Word to order where we trod. All for Christ, yet anything for self we count as dross. We're pilgrims with a crown With our Bibles open today to the book of Genesis, chapter number 2, we want to pick up and continue our survey study in the book of Genesis. But first, a word of prayer together. Our Father, I come now in Jesus' name. I need your hand, and I need your grace. I ask for both. Lord, use me as a channel of blessing today. Fill me with thy spirit, and help me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ as contained in the written Word of God. Thank you for my Bible, and I pray you would help me to love it, cherish it, and obey it all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and for his sake, amen and amen. Genesis 2, let's read that command given by God there in the garden. Genesis 2 Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. That is Adam's Bible. And we spoke of last week together, we spoke of the observations in Genesis It is a book of creation. It's a book of generation, the beginnings, the births, the origins of all men. But then it was a book of degeneration. And we had to leave off there. And God gave man both liberty and law in this commandment. 
and Adam and Eve being created in a perfect state of innocence, according to Genesis 1, 26 through 31, chapter 2, verse 7, and verse 25, they fail from that condition, and they plunged themselves and their posterity into sin. This degeneration can be traced from Adam to Abraham. It appears first in the individual life of Adam, then in the family of Cain and his descendants, and then in that antediluvian civilization, or the pre-flood era, then in Nimrod and his kingdom, who comprised the nations who were erecting the Tower of Babel in defiance of God's commandment as given to Adam to multiply and replenish the earth, and then persisting throughout the race of men, and seen personally in Abraham and his twelve sons. So whether it was Cain, or whether it was Seth, or whether it was Abel who was murdered by Cain, all men are born sinners. And so whenever Adam sinned, he passed a death sentence upon all of his posterity. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. First, creation. Then, generation. Then, degeneration. But thank God it's a book of regeneration. In man's fall, a death sentence passed upon all men. We were plunged into the dark depths of depravity. God said in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die in that day. At that moment, Adam died spiritually. From the inspired pen of the apostle Paul, we know this included his spiritual death, Romans 5, 12 through 21, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22, and also a physical death. And Adam died just 930 years, so just 70 years shy of a thousand And Peter declares that a thousand years is as one day with the Lord. And so in that day, Adam died spiritually right then, right there. But physically, before that thousand years was completed. Death, as mentioned and taught in the scriptures, is never annihilation or a cessation of being. Biblically, it's a physical separation or a spiritual separation. The first death is physical separation of soul and body, the end of life upon the earth. And then the second death is an eternal and spiritual separation of man from God, which leads into hell and culminates in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And so Adam died, and in Adam all Die. You read throughout Genesis of men, and they begat sons and daughters, and they died. Genesis 5 5, and all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Man who is dead in his trespasses and sins stands in need of regeneration. We need the life of God. He who is alienated from the life of God needs that life of God. We stand in desperate need of the new birth. No wonder Jesus Christ would look Nicodemus in the eye and say, Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. 
We need to be born from above, even that is to be born of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, Titus 3, verses 4 through 7, and by the Holy Scriptures, 1 Peter 1, 23, and being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Thank God in Christ we have the death of death and the gift of life and immortality through the light of the gospel, 1 Timothy 3, 16, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 10, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8, and 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6. In regeneration, there is the impartation of eternal life, and man is made a partaker of the divine nature of God, John 1, 12, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4, and 1 John 5 and verse 1. The book of Genesis proves man's need of redemption and regeneration as God intervened just after the fall, and so the fall of man into sin made the salvation of God from sin a necessity, and it is here where the way of acceptance with God and before the Lord is announced to Adam and all of his posterity. You can trace it in Genesis 3, 1 through 9, the Lord seeks Adam. The serpent tempted Eve. She took of the fruit, ate in disobedience, gave it to Adam. He ate also. Their eyes were opened. They now know between good and evil, and this is Adam's disobedience toward God. It resulted in distance from God, and God came looking, searching, calling out to Adam, where art thou? So God seeks Adam, but then God searches Adam. He searches him in his soul. In chapter 3, verses 10 through 19 of Genesis, God begins to speak to Adam in such a way to point out his sin and show Adam the fact and fate of his transgression as he broke the law of God. Sin caused Adam to run and hide from the presence of the Lord. Genesis 3, verse 8. And now God would search the souls of our first parents and bring them to see both the evil and the end of their sin. The deeds of Adam are first exposed, chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. And then the deliverance of Adam is revealed in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. So turn over to chapter 3 and let's read these verses together. Verse 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Here is the first messianic prophecy. Here is the promise of Christ. Here is the hope of redemption. Here is the possibility of regeneration. He's promised again in Isaiah 7 and verse 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And then we find him again, Matthew chapter 1, the fulfillment, verses 18 through 25 of Isaiah's prophecy. Christ did come, and Christ is our Redeemer. But then finally, the destiny of Adam is explained in chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. He's a man destined for the dust. 
Sorrow would now attend the birth of his children and the days of his life. Sweat would now attend the work of his hands. He would toil and travail, eat his bread with sweat and tears. From the ground he came, and unto the ground would he return. But thank God, not only did the Lord seek Adam, did the Lord search Adam, but the Lord steps in and he saves Adam. In Genesis 3:20 through 24, God steps in with a sacrifice, rescues man from his ruined and fallen condition, and offers life, eternal life to man, giving him a free and full pardon by goodness and by grace. God provided for man's sin when he shed the blood of those animals and covered their nakedness with coats of skins. You see, man had tried in his own way and by his own works to sew fig leaves together, to cover himself, to hide his sin, to clothe his nakedness, but it was insufficient. It was unacceptable in the sight of God, and works has never, ever been an acceptable way of salvation before God. And thus God clothed Adam and Eve in an acceptable manner, in the robes of another, that of a sacrifice, that of a substitute. And it is a beautiful picture and a portrayal of the robe of righteousness provided for the sinner in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in His blood brings propitiation unto man, Romans three twenty-one through 26. And so Genesis prepares the way for understanding the gospel. If you're not familiar with Genesis, this is where we must begin in order to explain the gospel unto you. Thank God for Genesis, the book of beginnings. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly it is written. God's Word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, Brethren, pray for us.